Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Ryan Glover podcast for BlueWorldOrder.com website. I am, of course, Ryan Glover, and the producer for this and every podcast is Jordan Taylor. Today we will swing it up a little differently as we have no guests on today's podcast, but me and Jordan will have our own specific podcast talking about the Memphis Grizzlies, what we think we should do now moving forward into the offseason. Obviously, Lance Stevenson's the big talk. We'll talk about him. We'll talk about some names that I've wrote, written down here, what the Grizzlies might consider in the offseason slash free agency. And, of course, we'll get into the NBA playoffs. The two, there's some about three or four big series less that are either tied at 2-2 or at 3-2. So we'll talk about those and, of course, break down the horrific news in the L.A. area for the Clippers dealing with Blake Griffin and now CP3's injuries moving forward. Do we believe it's the final time we will see Chris Paul and or Blake Griffin in a Los Angeles Clippers uniform? I welcome Jordan Taylor to the podcast, Jordan. A little different today, but I still like it because I get to hear your voice. How are you this afternoon? Doing pretty good, Ryan. Pretty nice day outside. Luckily, all this rain that they've been predicting has stayed away, so hopefully we can keep that going. That is very true. So we'll get into the Memphis Grizzlies talk here, Jordan. Obviously, the series and the season ended for the Memphis Grizzlies Sunday afternoon at around 4 p.m. Central Time with a 4-0 sweep from the San Antonio Spurs. We all expected it. We mm-hmm. all knew it was coming, so there's nothing to talk about there. No surprise. No, no surprise there whatsoever. You know, obviously the two games in San Antonio got a little out of control. Yeah. But the two games in Memphis, I thought, were competitive, and I thought they gave everything they could. And it was awesome to see at the end of the game when Matt Barnes and Vince Carter said the last three minutes, we want to show these fans how much we appreciate them and we want to keep playing in the last three minutes. And then the Jaeger, you know, breakdown in the press mm-hmm. conference was something you never see from a head coach, and that was yeah. fascinating to watch. And the way the crowd supported the team, man, that's what I love. Like, yeah. the way they came out for games three and four, despite we all knowing the inevitable. And when the lights went out, was yeah. that game four? Game four, yeah. Yeah. Like, we just said, we just, it was, you just felt like it was delaying the inevitable. Like, at that point, it was like, get it over with. Yeah. <laughs> the lights were like, we want to be on the injury list, too. <laughs> but at least they were probable to return, so that was good. Unlike the other major injuries the Grizzlies have dealt with this season. So now the offseason's here. Jerome will get more in-depth, obviously, when the season comes to a full conclusion and when the play, and when the free agency starts. But we can get a little bit into it now. So obviously, Mike Conley and the whole team had their you know final goodbye press conference last Monday talking about that. You know, Mike Conley, you know, a lot of fans around here were a little hesitant with his comments. We were thinking, you know, is he, mm-hmm. putting the, is he putting the organization on halt here? Is he thinking, like, you know, you need to go sign people if you're going to want me to come back. You know, yeah. I've made good money in the past, but now I have a chance to make – triple digits money if I stay with a Memphis organization. So what do you take away from Mike Conley in particular, his comments? Do you think Grizzlies fans should be concerned with his comments, or do we think he's just, you know, putting the t- putting the organization on hold and be thinking, you know, I want to come back, but I need you to make moves to make me want to come back? Yeah, I don't think anybody should be alarmed by his comments, man. I think the comments were just to let the organization know, I want to be here, but show me why I should be here. Show me why I should cut off all other options. Show me that this team is still trying to win. Like, I'm not trying to come back to the same situation. He doesn't want to go and repeat. Yeah. He doesn't want to do this for another three or four more years, like hitting the plateau of the Western Conference Finals and down. Mm-hmm. So he wants to come in with a nice group of guys that we can look at and see that we actually have a chance of winning the championship. Yeah, I agree, because it was an interesting comment he said was, there was you said talking about Mark in particular because the guy asked him about you know Mark staying and now you now you deciding to stay. Mm-hmm. He was like, Mark's choice was easy because we almost beat Golden State yeah. and then he was going to come back. Which I yeah, that's why everybody raised some eyebrows. Like you can say that, but I think we all knew Mark was coming back because he was basically born and raised here. He went to high school here. Yeah. He's been here almost his entire life. So. Yes, it didn't. It didn't help. I mean, it didn't hurt Mark's chances of coming back. With you know, if you can all say Mike didn't have the break, broken face, Tony didn't break his you know strain his hamstring. 
but I still all think we agree Mark was coming back regardless. Mm-hmm. But that's where I think the fan base got a little hesitant. They were like, "Whoa, you yeah. know, you had Mark had a reason to come back. What reason does Mike have to come back? Your right. bet, you know, your best two players, including yourself, got injured. You're older, obviously. Zebo and Tony Allen are getting up there." People were thinking, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, I think he's just putting a little pressure on the organization, man. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't think it's a threat in any type of way. I think he's just showing them that it's like, hey, we're going to need some help around here. Yeah, and there's no question that that needs to be happening. And when you're one of your star players and probably the best out of your core four going forward because he's the youngest, mm-hmm. if he puts the organization on halt or he puts the organization just on standby for a little minute thinking, like, you know, it's clear I want to be here. I've been here my entire career. We've gone through our ups. We've gone through our downs. But, you know, I love Memphis. I, yeah. He and generally loves Memphis. I I completely think that. So, Memphis, don't worry, okay? Just because he says organization sign people, that shouldn't be right. thinking. That's not a bad thing. That of should course, be good. Like, of we course want you change. Wanna, yeah, yes. Of course <laughs> you want to sign people. Of course you want to get good quality NBA basketball right. players to come to Memphis. Because think about it. Every player on this team has either come via a trade or something mm-hmm. of that nature. Or you drafted him, right? Mm-hmm. Mike drafted Mark traded, Zebo traded, Tony, that was you're basically the best guy you've signed in all your times in free yeah. agency, right? Vince Carter, yes, a 37-year-old signing. You know, Back in the day, it would have been yeah. fantastic at 27, but mm-hmm. we're talking about a 37. Matt Barnes traded, Courtney Lee traded away, Jeff Green traded away, but they both came via a trade. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so the list goes on and on. So when Mike says, hey, sign some people so it makes me want to come back and I feel confident with me coming back, then that's okay. Right. Completely there's, there's okay. nothing wrong with that at all. So let's get to some lists here, Joe, and that I've wrote some names down that are possible targets, in my opinion, that the Memphis Grizzlies could go after this offseason. Do you want to start low to get better, or do you want to start at the top to get low? Let's start, let's start low. Okay. Let's, start, let's only go up from here. All right. So the low would be just re-signing Matt Barnes and Vince Carter. And he started real low, didn't you? Well, it's not that low. <laughs> <laughs> Is it that bad? <laughs> I thought we at least going to get a new name. <laughs> no. Because I think – Based off Jaeger's emotional comments at towards the end, right? And he yeah. even said, like, those guys got game and left. They've got game left in them. So you yeah. would still – best way to put it, you would feel confident with them on your team next year if mm-hmm. that's what you have. But obviously you wouldn't want them to be your, your choices again. You right. would want people around them. But at the same time, you would welcome them back, but they have to mm-hmm. have pieces around them. Yeah, right? those guys with a healthy Memphis Grizzly roster, they're good. They're yep. good pieces. I agree. Okay. So now, one of those two guys, Kent Bazemore. Okay. So I say, like Bazemore. So you bring back Vince. He's already on the contract. You just have to pick up the option. Yeah. Matt Barnes is unrestricted, so you'd have to resign him for probably like maybe a one-year, $2 million, something like that, 2.5. Yeah. I think Bazemore is close to double figures, maybe $10 a million a year. But if you can get him for 8.5 for maybe a two-year deal and then give him a team option for the third-year deal, mm-hmm. would you do it? What do you you wouldn't happen to know his contract right now, would you? He's close. He's I don't know it off the top of my head, but he's nowhere close to those numbers. Okay. He's either getting two million or three million a year. I think so, because Baysmore has only gotten better in the NBA. I still remember <clears> when he <throat> was a bench woman for the Warriors. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and now he's a starter on Atlanta. Like being a uh, being a spark plug, does it on both ends. Energizer buddy can make shots. That's what we need. I like it. Versatile guy combo. Can and handle the ball. And he's young. Still in his 20s. Yes, yes. All right, now we go up a little bit notch. Luol Deng, 30-plus-year-old guy having a hell of a playoff. You're not prying him out of Miami. We, we can move on. <laughs> I'm just playing, man. <laughs> well, God damn. <laughs> <laughs> Try to put your Miami heat biased away from a minute here. <laughs> 
But I agree. His is 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 um pay has gone way up. Yeah. Based off his thirty point performance in game one where they killed Charlotte, I agree. His pay has definitely gone up. He's getting what I think ten million a year this mm-hmm. year, in his two years in Miami. So he may be getting north of maybe twelve to thirteen, possibly yes. fifteen a year. But the guy can defend. You can mm-hmm. put him on your best player. When Tony Allen now at 36 years old cannot defend the best player on the court every single possession for every game and every quarter. Mm-hmm. So that gives you more guys off the – that gives you another guy in Luol Deng who can do yeah. that. Great corner three-point shooter, even showing these playoffs. Now you can actually stretch to the middle yes. and towards the arcs a little bit making those three-point shooting. Yes. Great IQ guy. He's been mm-hmm. through everything with Chicago and Miami now, obviously. He's got a good head on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. To me, that – seems perfect but like i mentioned since he's adding a hell of a first round series and if they get past charlotte which we both think they will that would be a you know he's, he's his stock's going to keep rising yeah i think the big pro con with uh with luau dang pro a lot of experience like you said he's been through everything with chicago pretty much knows all the type of situations con we're gonna have to do something now because he's not getting any younger it's true it's like of course his his shot like before he didn't even have that three pointer yep. that were that we're showing now. So is that we're seeing now. So it's good that he's actually still progressing his game. He's still expanding what he can do. But I mean There's a lot of tread on those tires. Yes. Like those those legs, they're getting old, man. And that's the problem that we're seeing with the Grizzlies players. Like a lot of them they're getting old. Like we don't want another guy like that. So before we keep moving on, if you're Mike Conley, you've re signed with Memphis, okay, hypothetically. Do you want Baysmore for three years or do you want Luol Dang for two years? Fully healthy, right? Both fully healthy. And both what you've seen in these playoffs. Man, that's tough. I know. That's tough, bro. I asked the hard questions here. Made me sweat a little bit with that. Man, come on, bro. <laughs> Let me get a little all day. Let me get Luol Deng. You said two more years? I'd give him I'd give him one year guaranteed Luol Deng, and then I'd throw in a player option or team option for the mm-hmm. next year. And then Baysmore, I'd give him two years guaranteed with a third year as a team option. Yeah. And you would still you'd take Luol? I take Luol. What about you? Probably Luol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just I know he's got. I know he played like close to forty minutes a game in Chicago under Tom Thibodeau. That yeah. didn't help. Yes, he. But <clears throat> runs his plays into the ground. Yeah, like. I agree. But in Miami, for at least he, yes, he's playing big minutes and he's being obviously productive. But mm-hmm. in the season, he had some time off resting. Obviously, Spolster yeah. does a good time with his minutes. He does a good job with his minutes. And he's not he's still playing close to maybe 32, 34 in the Charlotte series. So yeah. it's not you know dramatic like it was in Chicago. All right, moving on. Now to the we'll we'll come back to the small forward position in a minute, but mm-hmm. now we'll go back to the, now we'll go a little bit lower to now the combo guards. Okay, mm-hmm. so before we get to Lance Stevenson, bringing back Mario Chalmers off his injury on a one-year deal, plus picking up the team option on Lance Stevenson. I love the Mario move, man. I love the Mario move. The way he worked with Mike, like the way that offense flowed, it got faster, it got longer, it got like they were running in transition, like. Mario stretches the floor. He can play make like everything. Everything that you need in that combo guard, Mario provides for you. But it's just scary with that Achilles, right? You can only give him one year deal, right? Yeah. Can't you? You can't. You can't commit to him for two years. Yeah. He might not come back as quick. That's he true. might not come back as fast. He might not be like Wesley Matthews. Just had a hell of a year right. after his after his Achilles injury. So you just got to see in that first year how is he going to recover. But I, th- I think Memphis is going to do a good job of making sure he gets back to his full strength. And you already know you got the security blanket behind him in Xavier Munford, mm-hmm. who's shown these playoffs that he's capable of being an NBA player. Yeah. So that's always good. That's good insurance, too. All right, now strictly just Lance Stevenson. Do you pick up the option at 9.5, regardless of whatever you do elsewhere? Or do you not pick it up and then sign him to a one-year 
$2.5 million deal. Regardless, is he coming back regardless with the option or with a one-year deal, or is he not coming back? I think he's coming back with a one-year deal. I, th- I think I bring him back. But not on the 9.5? Not on the 9.5, no. no. Wow. I know you're opposite. No, why? I just want to know why. It's just Lance's history, man. Like, just his recent history. I know Lance has potential. I know Lance has skill. I've seen it before. But it's just like the with the weapons he's surrounded with, we don't know how he's going to work with Mike. You don't know if he's going to give up the ball. You don't know if he's going to be that spot-up shooter. Like, that's a good thing about Matt Barnes. He doesn't need the ball. Vince Carter, he doesn't need the ball. But if you got another guy say you want to play alongside Mike Conley, who also needs the ball, I guess you could say he could run the second unit. But I don't know if I want to give Lance that much power because when when you give Lance an inch, he's going to take a mile. When he takes that mile, the ball goes out of bounds. He's falling on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just a, it's a, it's high risk, high reward. But at the same time, he didn't go through a training camp. He hasn't played with Marcus Gasol. He hasn't played with a healthy Mike Conley. He hasn't played with a all the four core guys together. He didn't even barely play with Mario Chalmers before he went down. Because yeah. I think Mario and Lance work great together. Lance wants the ball. Mario's more than capable of spotting up like he did in Miami and making those big-time shots. They've both got great heads on their shoulders. They're both, you know, not necessarily great IQ guys, but they're both, they both want to win, and they're both hard-edged kind of guys who are like, you know, we embrace the Memphis City, you know. Mm-hmm. This team, you know, a lot of people talk shit about them. A lot of people talk shit about those two guys in particular, how they're not good NBA players. Now Lance is just going to keep bouncing and bouncing around, you know, and Mario was only going to be successful in Miami, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But – I think they really genuinely bought into the city and bought into this organization. So if you get Lance as a full training camp, full training camp is where Jaeger demands and gets it into his head and be like, yo, Mark, Mike, and Zebo are my guys when they're on the floor. But when you're on the floor in the second unit with a Brandon Wright, with a Mario Chalmer, somebody of that nature, it's your second unit. You do what you do, but at the same time, trust the guys around you. Yeah. Remember in these playoffs, he had Jordan Farmar. He had Xavier Munford. Sometimes P.J. Hairston around him. Are you trusting those three guys? Yeah, I think Lance sometimes looked at the floor and like, one on five is a better option than what I'm working with. But when I he looks to his right, he sees a Vince Carter. Yeah. He looks to his left, he sees a Mario Chalmers. He looks in the middle, he sees a Jermichael Green, Brandon Wright, somebody of that nature who are good quality basketball players. Mm-hmm. That's when I think he starts buying in. To me, I wouldn't buy in when I've got a guy in Jordan Farm on Xavier Munford beside me. What have they done? I've done, I've proved in my time in my Indiana, right? Mm-hmm. That's how I got my big money. So you want Lance... Would you would you want to see Lance being that six man? Yes, if he, if he comes back, regardless, he's not starting, in my right, opinion. Right. Yeah, I think that's quite clear. I think they want to sign a guy. I still think because they got to decide now. This is a time for a different topic, but they got to decide now. At thirty five and a half years old, close to thirty six, is Tony Allen a starting level shooting guard in this day and age of the NBA? The answer is no. Mm-hmm. But do they are they willing to do that? Are they willing to bench Tony Allen and be like? Specific matchups, specific games, when you're playing in Oklahoma City, you're playing in Indiana Pacers, New York Knicks, where you've got that one guy, and you know who that one guy is who's getting the ball. That's when Tony gets minutes. Yeah. But when you're playing a Brooklyn, you're playing a Portland or somebody like that who have different guys who they are good players, but they don't have that one go-to guy where Tony has to lock him down. Tony has to be on the bench, plays 12 to 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. If somebody gets hot, you throw him at him for a couple of possessions, yeah. and then he cools him down. So if – that's where they got to decide going into the offseason. Is Tony Allen still our shooting guard of the future? If he is, that's not a good recipe for success. But if he buys into the 12 to 15-minute role like he did back in the day when he was in Boston when they mm-hmm. won the championship, that's the Tony Allen that can be successful. I like that. I agree. 
But regardless, if they pick up Lance's option or they resign him to one year deal, I don't think he's I don't think he's um I don't think he's um good to um starting point guard anymore, starting shooting guard anymore. So now, other combo guard, Jeremy Lin in Charlotte. He's had a great first round series so far. He had a hell of a game four. Great him and Kemba Walker seem to work perfect together, mm-hmm. so all indications would still point to Charlotte trying to resign him, right? Mm-hmm. But if Memphis could get away from him, you're probably looking at double figures for him too, maybe, maybe eight to ten million a year. What do you think about Jeremy Lin? If you bring Jeremy Lin back, do you still want Lance Stevenson? I think it's either Jeremy Lin or Mario Chalmers. It's one of those two plus picking up or signing, re-signing one guy. Because I don't, because I think Lin and Chalmers are sort of the same players. They can both be point guards, but they can both be two guards mm-hmm. and play with Mike or Xavier Munford. So I wouldn't be comfortable signing Mario and Lin. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those two guys, then plus Lance Stevenson. What do you think? You know, I think. I think Lynn and Chalmers are farther apart than, say, Lynn and Stevenson. Because I think Lynn and Stevenson both like the ball in their hands. I think when Lynn's out there, he wants the ball in his hands. He wants to run the show. I think he's running that offense. He's always looking to score. He's going to drive. He's going to penetrate. When he has a chance, he's going to kick. But I don't think he's setting up any plays for anybody. I don't think he's setting the offense in motion like a Mario Chalmers will. Because, but what, what you've seen with Kemba and him this this series, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you, Kemba can go off for 31 like he did last game mm-hmm. and have the ball in his hands, and then Jaron Lim can be the decor and give you the Michael Jordan shrug shoulder. Oh, my God. That was awful. That <laughs> was <laughs> awful. <laughs> or vice versa, Kemba can take a couple of possessions off, and then Kemba can do his thing. Mm-hmm. You don't think Mike and, Mike and Jeremy Lin can do that? I think the problem with taking those possessions off and, say, going like a back-and-forth – uh, style thing you're saying Lynn and and uh Lance would be doing that or Lynn and Mike or Lynn and Mike I think Lynn and Mike would but it's just with Kimba's Kimba just has such a special offensive set man like he's just so versatile so that's why I think and the way he's been tearing up this Miami defense like it's been tremendous to watch honestly but I don't think I don't think anybody on Memphis has that offensive scoring that Kemba has. So that's why I think they work well together. All right, two more options at the small forward position. Now we're reaching to the high echelons. We're at the Mount Rushmore possibilities here. Let's get to it. Nick Batum. I like that. I like that. But you're going to have to get the max. Is he worth it? (laughs) Is he? (laughs) You answer before I answer. Is Nick Batum a max player in the NBA, Jordan Taylor? Nowadays, it doesn't matter. Uh, hell, it doesn't matter. Nineteen seventy or two thousand sixteen? Is he a max player? If Nick Batum can finish this this uh, playoff strong, you know he's still, he's probable for the night. I think he plays tonight. I think he plays tonight. For Memphis, I think he could be that. I think he could be that. So if you gave Nick Batum a max, mm-hmm. you're not picking up Lance's option. You're mm-hmm. going to try to get him for one year, to one million, right. something like that. Okay. Then you're re-signing Mario to a one-year veterans minimum because of the Achilles. Yeah. And then you're re-sign. Then you're picking up Vince Carter's option for the final year. Yeah. So, Mike, Mario, Munford, Tony Allen, Lance, Batum, Carter. Those are your seven guys at three positions. And then obviously Nick Batum's your guy because mm-hmm. you gave him the big money. Like he has great games and he's she shows that he's a great player in times, but. 
now this this ankle thing could be problem going mm-hmm. forward. Like if say he does play tonight and God forbid something worse happens yeah. to him, you know, something could long term effect. Like he's he's been good, but he's also been streaky in times. In Portland he wasn't fantastic and this mm-hmm. has been his first year where he's been where he's been told to be the go to guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying the ankle's been a factor, maybe he's worn down a little bit. I don't know. I'm not saying that's a factor, but is he a 1B slash 1C option? Because you know in Memphis it's still Mark and Mike, right? Those are your 1A, 1B if they mm-hmm. resign. So you would be asking Batum to be the 2A or the 1C. Mm-hmm. Is he that guy? Who else is going to be that guy? Who else is going to be that guy consistently? I'm I'm saying Nick Batum if you get no other free agents. It, like he, he is your only option out there. Yeah, bring in Nick Batum. Bring in Nick Batum. Give, give him his money. And yeah, I think I think he's gonna work enough. I think he's gonna give you that shooting. Mm-hmm. He's definitely not scared to play defense. He's gonna do all the little things. He's gonna hustle his ass off. Mm-hmm. He's gonna buy into this grit and guy, this grit and grind mentality that every other guy that we picked up has. So I don't see why not. All right, last name. This one's just. I think this is a completely no. But I wish. It was, but I wish it was a yes. Say Kevin Durant. So oh, yeah. <laughs> that's like, an I just want no. you to say it. He has a better chance going to Washington <laughs> than he does coming to Memphis, in my opinion. <laughs> Harrison Bonds. Well, obviously he will work, but I'm I with you. <laughs> I love Harrison Bonds too, man, but he ain't coming here. <laughs> I got to throw one more name in there for the people, for the white followers on Twitter who love their Memphis oh, Grizzlies. Evan Fournier of the Orlando Magic. Frenchie? A lot of people like Evan Fournier's game. I think he's one-dimensional. I think he can only do only shoot three-point shooting. He will not buy into the Memphis Grizzlies way because he does not know how to defend. Mm-mm. So Mm-mm. I'm going to throw that on the record right now. If Memphis Grizzlies decide this offseason to give him close to $10 million to $12 million a year instead of picking up or re-signing Lance Stevenson, no. That's all I got to say. <laughs> uh, no, no words to be spoken. <laughs> like, that's, that's just ridiculous. If we that's, come on this podcast and Evan Fournier gets a three-year, $41 million deal at the Memphis Grizzlies, me and you are boycotting. We're done. We are done. We're done. I'm throwing off the mic. It's you're done. Hearing, you're hearing no more of Ryan Glover and Jordan Taylor's voice. It's done. <laughs> the mic will be dropped and it will be broken. <laughs> Never to be recovered again. Okay. That's all I have to say about that. All right, Jordan. We like to put each other on the spot here. We're good at this kind of stuff. We already said Minnesota Timberwolves will be in the playoffs next year. We both guaranteed that. Yes, sir. So now we're going to do it now. We're going to do it again before we talk about it in the offseason some more when the playoffs officially end. Next season, when the Memphis Grizzlies open up their 2016-2017 campaign, out of Bazemore, Luol Deng, Jeremy Lin, Mario Chalmers, Lance Stevenson's option or no option, and Nick Batum and Harrison Barnes. I've got seven players on my seven fingers. I need two out of those seven players. Who's coming back? And who's re- who's signing for the Memphis Grizzlies? Who's the most realistic or who do I want? Realistic. Then we'll go to what we want. Mario and Lance. <laughs> Mario and Lance. I'm telling you, man. You don't I think th- they I can think get the, somebody? I, think, I don't think this trend is a fluke. I think it's a reason we don't get free agents. <laughs> like, and I, I think that's going to stay consistent. I agree. That's a factor. But with this year with the cap space, right? And you can, you know, you can still say Mark when he's healthy is the best center of the game. Mike Conley is one of the most probably top eight point guards in the game when he's healthy. You can buy that, right? Lance, no. Mario Chalmers can't base more. Because Bazemore's in Atlanta, which is a small market too, right? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of fans don't show up to those games, you know. Yes, they have great players in Teague, Horford, and Millsap. You probably take those three over Mike, Mark, and Zebo. You agree? Mm-hmm. Okay. But if you give Bazemore money, 
I think he wants the I think he wants the money, and yeah, I think so. he's proven that he can play. So I think you can get Baysmore. But how, how much you think you give him Baysmore? Two year deal starting at eight point five million a year, and then going up to probably like nine nine to ten the second year, and then like I said, the yeah. team option for the third year. That'd be great. Like I, I would love to see Baysmore in a Grizzlies uniform. See what happens. We'll get into it more in the free agency. But like you said, realistically, most likely Lance and Mario. But I think you can get Baysmore. I think out of all those guys, you know. You okay, okay. Jordan. Okay. You want you want to get it again? I think they get Baysmore. <laughs> <laughs> well, you satisfied now? Did you get it out? Yeah, I'm good. What were you going to say? But, yeah, I think out of those guys that you named, Baysmore is the most realistic. I agree. Yeah. That are not – that haven't already <coughs> played for the Grizzlies. And then who would be the second realistic option who hasn't played for the Grizzlies? Luol Deng or Jeremy Lin? Oh, man. Cause I, th- I think Charlotte has definitely found something, like with their, with their group that they have. The Harvard boy. <clears throat> oh, man. I think it also depends on uh, – for Luol Deng, it's a lot of factors, man. Is Bosch coming back healthy next year? Do they actually get past Charlotte this year? Damn. Hold on. <laughs> what? You know about my Charlotte, baby? <laughs> Buzz Nation, baby. <laughs> All right. So if those two things don't happen, I think Luol Deng is likely to leave. I think Luol Deng really wants a championship before he retires. I agree. So I, th- I think if you combine him with, with who Memphis already has, it's a good chance that he could be that missing piece and he could look heavily at Memphis if they if for the right price. The Dookie. The Dookie. All right, John, let's move on to the, some NBA series now. We got three games tonight, two on TNT and one on NBA TV. We'll start with that Charlotte and Miami series. What have you seen in these last two games where Charlotte has played way better basketball? Is it basically just their defense, making more shots, or have you seen big adjustments from Steve Clifford's squad to get to the team, Team 2-2? I have seen every other play, Kimba and Al Jefferson <laughs> pick and roll. I am so – I'm not even going to say it. Say it. Fucking tired <laughs> of seeing. We'll bleep it out. <laughs> the same play over and over again. Whiteside only stepped up one time that I remember, and it forced, the, it forced him to go out of bounds. He ain't got the foot speed. Exactly. But if you're going to do it, man, like some guys have to help off of him. Mm-hmm. You have to make sure, like, not everybody on Charlotte can shoot. Find that guy. That's not that's not the shooter. That defender help off help Whiteside. They, I bet He's Miami, just on the island. I bet Miami were wishing so hard that Kid Gilchrist was in the series because that'd be the guy you'd be. Oh my off. God! Yes, <laughs> you could like shoot, 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 <laughs> shoot all you want, take all the threes. But unfortunately, when you've got Batum out there who can shoot, Courtney Lee's a streaky shooter, but he can still shoot. Jeremy Lin show. Jeremy Lin, Jeremy, Jeremy Lin, bro, man. So yeah. Like, even Steve Clifford said when they got down 2-0, you remember his quote in the press conference? He was like, sometimes you media people blow it all up. Sometimes a guy goes for one for eight, and then he goes six for eight. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes all you got to do is fix this one pick-and-roll defense, and then you're fixed. Maybe that's happened. We'll see yep. tonight. But the other factor could just be strictly home court advantage. Miami could come out tonight, and they're wide out in Miami, beautiful Miami, and they could, you know, do what they did the first two games and absolutely destroy Charlotte. You know, oddly, though, I think it's bad that they shot as well as they did in game one and two. Mm. I think they fell in love with it. That's true. Because in games three and four, when they were getting down, when the pressure was on, when they were down seven, eight, and they didn't want it to get the double digit, they just throw up a three. And when those three don't, when those threes don't go, that's when it gets more hectic. 
Like, Miami's not a three-point shooting team. But they think they are. They think they are just off games one and two. Mm-hmm. Like, Luol Deng is not going to shoot like that all the time. Jay Cool can't do it every game. Jay Cool can't do it every game, bro. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, and, and when they do panic, it's ISO Joe. And Charlotte knows it's ISO Joe. Yep. That's, that's all they're doing. Nobody else is even thinking about shooting the ball on the court. So I think they're going to have to get back to winning that paint advantage, getting those rebounds, and controlling that pick-and-roll defense. So that's your big adjustment tonight. Does Miami, because you saw in the fourth quarter they didn't play Dragons last game. Mm-hmm. Does that continue? Or does Dragons get a big-time playoff game five crucial minutes tonight? I think you got to put him in. Because if nothing else, Kimba's going to keep tearing up uh, Richardson, man. Kimba. He has been working him. And what were you telling me before the series started? Hey, he locked him down in one and two. Man, shut <laughs> up, Art. Kimba, you can't hold that man in a box for long. <laughs> so I think Miami takes it tonight. I know you're obviously picking Miami. Yeah. But I think Miami takes it tonight. I think they bounce back. You're going to see a vintage, vintage Dwayne Wade mm-hmm. performance this evening. Then it'll go back to Charlotte. Charlotte will take game six, and then Charlotte will take game seven on the road oh. in American Airlines Center. Well, that is where we differ, sir. Okay, that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> all right, to the second game of the evening, the Portland Trailblazers and the Los Angeles Clippers. 2-2 in the series, but devastating news for the Clippers that came down a couple of days ago. Broken right hand for Chris Paul. Something happened to the quad of Blake Griffin. He's done for the series also. Thought she was about to hit the quad. I can hit both if you want. I can hit the quad and the quad. <laughs> so what do you think here, Jordan? Is it too much Dame, too much C.J. McCollum, the second best backcourt in the NBA? Or do you trust Pablo Pellegrini and Austin Rivers? That's what I'm trusting. <laughs> That's and all you Jeff got left. Green. <laughs> oh, God, don't, make it, don't put his name on his podcast, please. I think the best thing now is that Portland now has the two best players in the series on their team. And that's gonna that's gonna be the only deciding factor. Jeff Green would disagree with you, but go ahead. <laughs> Jeff Green would disagree with all of it, yeah. <laughs> but if you if you're gonna tell if you're gonna give Jeff Green the ball and tell him to run the offense, if you're gonna give DJ the ball and tell him to finally make a post up move, like now, no, really? I <laughs> no, I don't think that's happening either. All you gotta do is hack his ass. <laughs> right. <laughs> How does he continually get worse? <laughs> I know. Like every game. We had back-to-back air balls. Yeah, back-to-back. Like back-to-back. You a grown man. At least just throw it at the backboard, L- if nothing else. Literally. Yes. Literally. How does that happen? It's crazy, man. It's crazy. <laughs> so does Portland take both the next two games, or does L.A. force a game seven? And then you know anything can happen in game seven. Honestly, I think Portland takes both, man. I don't think <clears throat> I don't think the Clippers have enough. I, I think agree. Portland has all the momentum right now. They're going to ride it on their way to Golden State. Preach. <laughs> all right, getting to Golden State. Houston and Golden State tonight, game five in the Oracle Arena. We know Stephen Curry done for two weeks, but he has the same injury that Big Ben Roethlisberger had over the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he only missed mm-hmm. one week. So it's the same exact injury. It just dif- differs with different people, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I think you might get him back for game two or game three in the second round series. Mm-hmm. That's my gut feeling. But does Golden State finish it tonight in the Oracle? Yeah, I think Houston's already has their bags packed. I think they had their vacations planned out yep. where they're heading right after the game. So 
I think you could see it last game when Steph went down. That was their moment to strike, man. That made no sense. That made no sense at Houston, all. Houston, they saw Steph Curry hobble to the locker room mm-hmm. and then come back out for the second half and then realize I can't play. Mm-hmm. And then give up 42 points yep. in the third quarter without sh- Stephen Curry. That should have been your sign that Golden State was deflated, man. Like, yo, your chance was right there. You should have smelled blood. You should have attacked, attacked, attacked. I think their mindset is already <clears> gone. Golden State's balls were as deflated as Tom Brady's balls, and they still didn't do it. Oh, God. Was that good? <laughs> was that pretty good? That was wonderful. Thank Give you. me some. High five on the uh, podcast. Very nice. nice. Okay. Final, to our final segment of the evening then, Jordan Taylor, with back to the Los Angeles Clippers. We know that Blake and CP3 are done for the year, but are they done in a Clippers uniform together? You know, I've been thinking about this. We talked about it off air. Via the text. Via the text. I think if you can get something better, then yeah. If you can get something better. I don't I don't think you tear it up just for the sake of tearing it up. But Doc Rivers came on record over the summer. He's like, we've never made it to a conference finals with mm-hmm. this four. You know DJ's not getting any better. Can you get possibly better? Does he, can the he only thing he has to get better is his free throws. <clears throat> but he's got to learn. He doesn't have the post-up game because, you know, if teams just post him up, he's just going to foul him. But if he makes his free throws, he doesn't have to worry about that. Like, he doesn't need a post-up game. That's true. All they could do is catch lobs and get rebounds and dunk. Can Blake Griffin get better? Well, we saw the Blake in the playoffs last year. Made me think yes. Okay. Can CP3 get better? I mean, CP3 is already the, the best pure point guard in the league. Okay. So that's your answer. If you haven't made it to a conference finals with a guy who can't get any better than CP3, who we both agree is the best leader and true point guard in the NBA, mm-hmm. top seven, top eight player in the world in Blake Griffin. Yeah. And most one of the most athletic big men in the game in DeAndre Jordan, and one of the most curling best shooters in JJ Redick. A lot of he's underrated in my opinion. That's not we're not just saying that because we like Duke. Mm-hmm. JJ is very underrated. Very. I think he makes that offense go. Man. I agree. So he, in my opinion, he's very underrated. So we just said that we put it on the record. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you want to blow it up? If you like you said, you only blow it up if you can get better. Right. Is Kyrie Irving better in the long term? For the Clippers than CP3. I think if he's not immediately better, it's just at least a change. And I don't think the change is too far off. The change is not going to set you back into the lottery. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's just that's that's what you want to avoid. We're not yeah, we're not we're not trying to blow it up to get to the lottery. Right, right. Because when you got Blake Griffin, because I think he's the one guy you try to keep, right? Yeah. If you're trading anybody, you're trading CP3. That's my opinion. I don't, you know, you could probably get some good pieces for Blake Griffin too, yeah. but realistically, you want to get younger. Because yeah. JJ's over thirty, DeAndre's twenty something, Blake Griffin's in his upper twenties, right? Mm-hmm. CP three's the only out of the, out of those core threes in his thirties. Right. You know Kyrie's in his mid twenties. Yeah. So I agree, you're not blowing it up to get into the lottery. I'm right. not saying we're not that. starting all the way yeah, over yeah, here. Definitely yeah. not. You, when you got Doc Rivers as a head coach, you're not blowing it up to be the lottery. He bounced in Boston as soon as that happened right. one or two years <laughs> ago. So, so straight up, Jordan, I don't care. You can throw in some picks. You can throw in some guys that you're going to buy out. But would you do CP three for like for um? Kyrie Irving, straight up, with some draft picks and some guys that won't be on your roster in the coming years. If I'm the Clippers, yes, yes. If they, if they, if this is <laughs> truly the end for the Clippers, this series, then yes, I'm doing that trade. But you seem hesitant, though. You think, regardless if they lose the next two games via injury, you still think they come back as a core, as a core? I think if there's nothing else out there, I think if Cleveland, if Cleveland goes on, say they do win the championship. Say they actually beat uh they beat either San Antonio, Oklahoma City, Golden State. If they don't want to make that move, 
then I'm keeping CP. Okay. So, would you would the only trade you would consider would be Kyrie for CP3? There's no other trade because you you have to trade him for a point guard, right? Right. I mean, who else is better, or or even close? You're not getting Russell Westbrook. Clearly, I don't think you're getting Damian Lillard. No, he wants to retire in Portland. Right. I truly believe that. I think he wants right. that to be his franchise, and he wants to put every print on that franchise. Mm-hmm. He wants to break every record. Damn, should know you ain't getting stealth. No. Right. So who are the other point guards? Sign and trade Mike Conley and bring me CP3. Ooh, I can't believe you said that. Why not? <laughs> I take CP3 instead of Mike Conley. I ain't scared to say that. I ain't scared. <laughs> <laughs> you would do it too, would you? <laughs> you damn right. All I right would. Then. <laughs> <laughs> so what you saying? <laughs> I do that in a heartbeat, man. Don't even make me blink twice. But I agree. I think if Cleveland doesn't win the NBA championship this summer, they're blowing it up. They're trading Kyrie and or Kevin Love. They might trade both of them, but I think they're trading definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. If they win the championship, who you then think, it, who you think is out the door first? My gut feeling all along was Kevin Love. Yeah, but since he's had a, he had a hell of a series against Detroit, and they finally found something with him playing at the five, yeah. which is way more productive than I thought it would be. Took him almost two years, but they finally found yeah. out how to use him. <laughs> I'm trading Kyrie before I trade Kevin Love. Okay. So for two reasons, one because I think Kyrie just wants to get buckets, and I don't know if he has the mentality to be the to be when you've got LeBron James on your team, you should be completely okay with not being the guy. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he's bought into Kyrie that. doesn't have that mindset, man. Which is stupid. You're playing with the best leader slash one of the best players of all time, and you don't want to buy in to be the two option. But I tell you something though, when it works, that's that's arguably the deadliest duo in the NBA. Trio, when you, you, when you have in. Kyrie and LeBron going back and forth, yep. and you know LeBron loves it. LeBron yep. has been looking for somebody to take the load off of his shoulders for yep. a while now. I agree. And I don't think Kevin Love is that guy. He's not. He's obviously not the scorer Kyrie mm-hmm. is, but I think he's finally found a place where he can give you consistent points, consistent rebounds. But I think if you get rid of Kyrie, you're losing that. But what if happens you can, if you got CP3 That's what I was about to say. Yeah, if yeah. you can get a CP – He'll take that also. I, I think that's also a better situation. So, yeah, if I'm the Clippers, like we said, we're not blowing it up to get into the laundry. We're not right. trying to rebuild. We're not trying to get a Ben Simmons when you've got Blake Griffin on your team or mm-hmm. somebody of that nature. So I agree. My gut feeling tells me they're trading in this summer. Your gut feeling tells you? This is not going on record. This is just what our guts say. Right. CP, right? Mm-hmm. <sighs> I don't know, tick-tock, man. Tick-tock. I don't know if I can say good feeling off of that because I got I can't I'm not predicting the future. I know, and I think it has a lot of variables to it. Okay. We shall see what happens, Jordan Taylor. It was a good podcast. Great insight great. as also. We will get back to it in the coming weeks. We've got big plans for the summer where we're going to break down every single team on these podcasts, what we think they're going to do in the offseason or in the trades or in the free agencies or in the NBA draft. We're going to try to get every person who covers that team. On this podcast, we're going to give you inside information on this podcast because that's what we do. We're the best duo. We're the dynamic duo in Memphis, Tennessee, and nobody's going to tell us not what to do. Big time, baby. (laughs) So that's all the time we have today for episode 12 of the Ryan Glover podcast. Thank you so much to the best producer in the Mid-South, Jordan Taylor. I'm Ryan Glover. Hit y'all up next week.